Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Ava Torah Women's Parshara Shavuot Discussion Group with Parshat Korach. The parsha begins with Korach staging a rebellion against Moshe and Aharon, accusing them of power hoarding, with a specific protest against Aharon being appointed as the high priest. At the request of Moshe, God caused the earth to swallow Korach and his followers were consumed by a heavenly fire. The people continued to protest, and a plague ensued. Moshe then instructed Aaron to take a frying pan with incense and to stand among the people, which caused the plague to finally stop. God then commanded Moshe to take a staff from each tribe and write the name of each tribe's prince on it. The tribe of Levi wrote Aaron's name. All of the sticks were put in the Kodesh Kadashim, and when they were removed the next morning, only the staff of Aaron had buds of almond blossoms. This was further proof that God had chosen Aaron to be the high priest. The parsha ends by telling us which gifts and tithes were to be given to the Kohanim as well as to the Leviim. There are so many relevant, contemporary lessons that we can learn from the story of Korach. We'll limit our discussion to three points raised by Rabbi Sachs. Korach created an entire rebellion from one statement. He said, Rav lachem, ki kol ha'ida kulam kedoshim u'betocham Hashem, u'madua titnas'u al-kahal Hashem. In translating this statement, let's break it up into three separate assertions. One, Rav lachem. This time you've gone too far. Two, ki kol ha'ida kulam kedoshim u'betocham Hashem. All of the community are holy, every individual, and God is in their midst. Umadua titnasu al-kahal Hashem. Why then do you raise yourselves above the congregation? Let's talk briefly about each of these allegations guided by Rabbi Sachs's insight, beginning with the most audacious of the three. Korach asked Moshe why he raises himself above the congregation. Let's think about this question in light of what we read just two weeks ago. V'ha'ish Moshe anav ma'od mikol ha'adam asher al Moshe was a very humble man, more humble than any other person on the face of the earth. In light of this description, it seems clear that Korach's accusation was not that Moshe put himself in a position of authoritarian top-down leadership, because that argument would likely not have garnered much support. A more accurate understanding is that Korach was protesting against the people having a leader at all. Korach argued that every individual is holy. After all, God had said in Sefer Shmot, Vatem mamlecha kohanim kadosh. You're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And Korach's contention was that a holy nation, a nation comprised of holy individuals, doesn't need a leader over them. Rabbi Sachs sums up beautifully God's unarticulated response to Korach. He writes, An orchestra a virtuosi still needs a conductor. An ensemble of brilliant actors still needs a director. A team of superstars still needs a coach. 
without leadership, even the most glittering array of talents produces not music, but noise. Indeed, the more prodigiously gifted the individuals, the more they need a leader. Korach was not wrong to say that all the people are holy. He was wrong to say that holy people do not need leaders. The second lesson requires that we notice something easy to miss, that Korach's rebellion began even before he began talking. The text tells us, Vaikach Korach, Korach took, and then the text continues, Moshe, Korach then came before Moshe and Aaron. What is blatantly absent from the text is what it is that Korach took before approaching Moshe and Aaron. Not surprisingly, the commentators all weigh in offering suggestions. Let's listen to the approach of the Midrash, which suggests that since the people had just learned about the mitzvah of Tzitzit, Korach took with him a garment that should require tzitzit. But this garment was made entirely of blue wool. And as he waved it before Moshe, he asked whether the garment required tzitzit or whether it was exempt. Moshe replied that the garment does indeed require tzitzit. Korach then replied mockingly, is it possible that one thread of blue wool in the tzitzit exempts an entire garment made of other materials? Yet this garment made entirely of threads of blue wool doesn't exempt itself? With this dialogue, Korach not only intentionally ridiculed Moshe in public, but he also put Moshe in an impossible position. Korach put Moshe between defending God's law, specifically in a situation that doesn't seem to follow rationality, and between arguing against God's law to earn the respect of the people. In describing Moshe's choosing loyalty to God's laws, Rabbi Sachs writes, In Judaism, leadership is not about popularity. In fact, the Gemara tells us that if a scholar is loved by the people of his town, it's not because he is gifted as much as it is because he fails to rebuke them in matters of heaven. Rabbi Sachs knew, as we all do, that this black and white statement of the Gemara reflects a reality that is often far more nuanced and complex. That being said, the Gemara nonetheless raises a very important observation. Leaders are often sandwiched between upholding God's laws and disappointing people. Moshe's leadership was marked by a strong display that it is God who he serves. In fact, Moshe's highest honor was being called an Eved Hashem, a servant of God. He is called this once on his deathbed and no less than 18 times throughout the Tanakh. In Rabbi Sachs's words, in Judaism, a leader is a servant to God and to lead is to serve. Anything else is not leadership as Judaism understands it. A second aspect of Korach's argument, according to the Midrash, is the suggestion that perhaps we don't need halakha, we don't need Jewish law to achieve our religious ideals. Korach argued that for any mitzvah with a given purpose, what is sacred is the end, not the means, the outcome, not the specific way of getting there. In the example he presented with the garment, 
Korach suggested that there are other ways of remembering God and the mitzvot, which is the, status, the stated purpose for tzitzit. In fact, he argued, making a garment entirely of blue wool would be even more effective, as it is a more visible display. Here too, Rabbi Sachs articulates God's implicit response. He writes, What Korach forgot is that the essence of the command is the means, not the end. It is precisely by doing things God's way that we achieve personal transformation. Apprenticeship is a matter of doing things we don't fully understand until we've undergone the discipline of subordinating ourselves to the instructions of an expert. That is the meaning of mitzvah, commandment. It's our apprenticeship to the master of the universe. The third and final lesson is, in my mind, one of the more tragic aspects of this conflict. This was the one and only time that Moshe asked God to perform a miracle to show the rebels that they were wrong, to bring the conflict to an end. And God responded by opening the earth, which swallowed Korach and his family. But the crisis doesn't end there. There's one more dialogue that takes place. Those who remained approached Moshe and Aaron the next morning and said to them, Atem hamitem et am Hashem, you have killed God's people. What they were saying in essence was that whether Moshe was right or wrong in this conflict, was this really the way to win an argument? They looked at Moshe and Aaron and said, you've lowered yourself to their level. In Rabbi Sachs's words, this entire episode shows the destructive nature of arguments that are not for the sake of heaven, arguments that are for the sake of victory. In such a conflict, what is at stake is not truth, but power. And the result is always that both sides suffer. If you win, I lose. But if I win, I also lose. Because in diminishing you, I diminish myself. When I think about some of the political debates in our country, this lesson comes to mind. When a person can only hold his ground by playing by his opponent's rules, rules which are not dignified or respectful, then even when he wins, he loses. In conclusion, it's important to point out that in one respect, Korach was right. All the congregation is holy, and God is in our midst. In Rabbi Sachs's moving words, Korach saw that the Jewish people should aspire to be a cloak that is entirely blue. He saw a real and moving truth that if a people dedicates itself to God, it can become a robe, every strand of which is royal blue.